Good morning, Community Church. How are you this morning? Peace of Christ to you. And I can't believe we are back online again. You know, I thank the Lord for technology. I, actually, I really do. But you know, just standing in front of the camera now reminds me um, of when we first had to go online. I was like, wow, I need to see faces. I, I miss those faces that I normally see. And so the first time around, I had to kind of imagine like you sitting in front of me in your usual spots. And now coming back after having been in front of the camera for a long time, I feel like I'm, I'm studying and need to do that again. You know, but I also, it also made me realize that your usual spots have changed. So the first time around, I noticed that people were sitting at the usual spots one way. And then when we came back from being online, um, you got your, your spots have swapped. And now I'm looking at you, uh, imagining where your new spots are. You know, it's great to be with you. You know, it, I'm just thankful that there's nothing that can stop us from worshiping from praying together, from fellowshipping together. And I'm thankful for technology, but most of all, we have the Holy Spirit who knits us together, whether we are online, in front of the camera, or in person. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. And we are on a sermon series called The Three Big Questions. As you can see on your screen, looking at the issues of identity, meaning, and purpose. Last week, Pastor Wade touched on identity, who am I? What does it mean to find my identity in Christ? And this week, we're going to look at belonging. What does it mean to belong in God's family? Have you ever felt left out? Or that you don't fully belong, even though you're officially part of a group? It's not a very nice feeling, is it? You know, I recall feeling that way when I first moved to Canada. So I was in Canada for about eight years before coming to Hong Kong. Now, when I first got there to Canada, I thought, you know, I'll join a couple of coffee meetup groups, you know, to get to know more people. And so um, officially, I was the member or I became the member of the two coffee groups. But in reality, I never felt like I truly belonged. I did not have, you know, a lot of history with the people there. And they've been the, in the group for a lot longer than I have, and I was new. And I also did not grow up in the Canadian school system. And that was a very important shared identity in that group. And what else? Uh, right, I didn't speak the same way. And you know, they had inside jokes that I didn't get. And horror of horrors, I did not speak hockey. You know, that's like not speaking football if you're in America or soccer if you're in um, the UK. And you know what? They also had common friends outside of the group and I, did, and I didn't. You know, you get the idea. And so, and so even though they were very nice and polite and respectful towards me, I could not help. But, but I felt alienated by some of the conversation topics and also when they shared about their time together, when they went to each other's home and they did things together, they ate together, you know, and I would just sit there and go, hmm, 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 you know, just smile politely. So what I'm trying to say is that I didn't feel that I truly belonged to the group, although my presence there was legit. I was an official member. Does that make sense? 
see, this is when I wish you're sitting in front of me so I can see you going this or this. You know, I wonder if something like that can also take place in the Christian community. That we have in our midst people feeling like they are not unwelcome, but that they don't feel like they truly belong. Do you know anyone like that? You know, I've, met, I've actually met many people like that over the course of many years in different settings, but all in the context of a Christian community. Let me give you some examples. I'll fit more if, I, if I've been to university or I will be a better fit if I have a more respectable job or I don't have the level of income to really belong in this group or this place is not really for people like me with my skin colour or with my accent or hair colour or I will belong more if I have a different marital status or sexuality or if I'm more politically correct or, or less socially awkward. Or perhaps I'll belong more if I don't have such a messy past. What does it really mean to belong in God's family? You know, especially when you have people who are so different with different history and life experiences. When all these people are called to do life together, what does it mean to belong? in God's family. You know, the world says, okay, so you go with people like you and form your own group. You do you, no, you do you, I do me. You eat at your own table with people like you and I eat my own table with people like me. And we can coexist, hopefully peacefully. Are we to do the same in God's family? Let's look at what scripture has to say. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you love us so much. Thank, we are so thankful for how compassionate you are. For we came with nothing and yet you receive us purely because you love us so much, purely because you are so full of grace and mercy towards us. And we do not belong because we have earned it. So Lord, as, as we open your word today, we invite you to speak to each person and to bring encouragement and conviction and anything else that you know we need. Help us to listen, Lord, with, an, with ears that are willing to receive. Amen. Okay, so what does this passage have to do with us who live 2,000 years later? What is Paul getting at here that is still relevant today? Okay, this is how we're going to do it today. First, what is Paul getting at? And then we're going to look at what does it mean for us as a Christian community? And then we're going to look at 
What does it mean for you today? So, what is Paul getting at? Now, this passage comes from a letter that Paul wrote to the Galatian church to deal with a serious issue. Now, what is that serious issue? See, so the church in Galatia was founded by Paul, the Apostle Paul, and it comprised mostly Gentile believers as opposed to Jewish believers. So then Paul left, right? And some Jewish believers came to Galatia and said to the Gentile believers, hey, you have to follow Jewish customs in order to be fully included in God's family and you need to get circumcised. So basically, what this is saying is that Gentile believers have to become like the Jews in order to become fully accepted into God's family. And the Galatians, they were like, okay, yeah, maybe we should do that. And so Paul wrote them a letter, a strong letter that basically says, are you kidding me? Already in Jesus, all of you are fully accepted in God's family and have equal standing in God's family. Nothing is needed to make you belong more. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Now, some of you, you see the underlying words there? So some of you might react to sons of God here, perhaps thinking that it is a somewhat sexist expression. But this is actually an important clue to the power of the gospel in breaking down barriers, cultural barriers, ethnic barriers, socioeconomic barriers, and so on. Now, what do I mean by that? See, in most ancient cultures, only sons can be heirs. Daughters could not inherit property. Slaves could not inherit property. So to say that you are all sons, Paul is saying something very revolutionary here, very subversive, in fact totally challenging the established order of the day. He's saying, you, 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 women, you, slave, and others who have been second-class citizens in your community, you now have equal standing in God's community. Because Jesus has broken down all those walls that divide people, that put people into this category and that category, you all get to eat at the same table in God's family. You know, you don't have a slave table and a master table. You don't have a Jewish table and a Gentile table. So you see, traditionally, the Jews ate separately from the Gentiles because the Gentiles ate things that the Jews would not eat, right? Like pork, non-kosher non stuff. But in Jesus, Jewish believers and Gentile believers are supposed to share a table. Now, so for the Jewish believers... Be for the Jewish believers to impose on the Gentile believers the requirement to follow Jewish custom to get circumcised, that's basically saying, I will share a table with you only if you become like me. It is wanting to establish one kind of identity, in this case, ethnic identity, over others. It's creating two groups again when in Jesus is one family. And Jesus has has broken down that barrier and is now a community centered around Jesus where everyone gets to eat together at the same table. So what does that mean for us as a Christian community? Well, sometimes even as a family of God, you know, we can exclude, we can create barriers we can make distinctions about who belongs and who doesn't. 
and we may indirectly communicate that. Okay, now just, just think with me and be honest with yourself. I'm not get going to get you to raise your hand because I can't see you. So, who, just think, who do you want to belong to, let's say, your life group? What kind of people do you want? Who do you prefer to serve with, to be on a team with? Who are you most likely to invite to dinner or to other social events? Who do you choose to sit with during a service when we could meet? Who do you approach after the service? Sometimes, without meaning to, we can subtly exclude others by the kind of by how we do things. So for example, we can exclude others by the kind of restaurants we might choose to go to, by which topics we talk about in each other's presence, by who we invite to our homes or favorite events, by, by who we choose to share table with, older, younger, singles, divorce, couples, which kind of couples? or socially polished ones, socially awkward people, people in certain type of work. If we are honest with ourselves, we do have our preferences and sometimes prejudices. We all like to be with people who are like ourselves and actually it's a form of support for us as we feel like you know, we are in the company of people who get us. And that's a great thing. That's a wonderful thing. But when that becomes a default mode of relating in, in a Christian community, we are communicating as a community just who belongs and who doesn't. Do we, community church, directly or indirectly communicate acceptance and belonging? And, and that we are all made in God's image and all are precious to God and therefore should be precious to each other. Do we tend to treat someone better because he or she is more educated, have more power, has a more, I don't know, impressive social status, or maybe this person can benefit you or your cause in some ways? And do we treat others with less dignity because we are embarrassed by being seen with them or having them in the community. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And one in Christ means more than tolerating one another. It means more than merely coexisting in the same space. It means more than being superficially inclusive. We are a community centered around Jesus who has called us to be like him. And what does it mean to be like him? Is it not to love self-sacrificially like he did? Not just love when it's convenient or, or, or when it benefits my agenda. 
how else can we sit with one another with all our differences at the same table, loving and serving one another? Is it not by laying down our rights, our preferences and our prejudices? Is it not by getting out of our comfort zone for the sake of the other? Is it not by committing to not taking offence so easily? You know, these days, we are so easily offended. Is it not by dying in order to live the new life, the life of the crucified and risen Christ? Like what Paul says at the end of his letter to the Galatians, may I never boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So what does that mean for you today, for you and for me? Well, for one thing, for many of us, sometime in our lives, we've had the feeling that we did not belong. And maybe many of you still do. Now, in the next few moments, we are going to hear from Jenny, who shares with us the circumstances of her life and also how she wrestled through her sense of belonging. Thank you, Jenny, for sharing with us. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Praise be to God that I'm given this opportunity to share a little bit of my faith story. Some of you have asked whether I'm from Hong Kong, Taiwan, Scotland, or anywhere else. Well, I was born in Hong Kong, and I followed my mother to Taiwan for her second marriage when I was young. Throughout my life, I have three fathers, my biological father, my stepfather, and my heavenly father. My biological father, e.g. my dad, was an investment banker. He was doing quite well professionally. He was also musical and charming. However, he didn't get on with my mother. It was constantly fights and arguments at home and even physical violence. At the end, he left us. He left without leaving anything to us, not even a contact number. My stepfather was a lieutenant. He followed Guomindang to settle in Taiwan. Actually, it was my first time meeting him when I arrived in Taiwan. My mother had never mentioned about him. Um, she was only saying that we have to move out of Hong Kong because my older brother was getting into trouble with the law. So we're going to Taiwan and we're starting a new life. Our new life in Taiwan was good with my stepfather, whom at the time I called Lao Ba because he was holding strong accent from northern China. And our communication was very simple, but warm. He was very gentle and we had a good relationship. The life there was good only for a while though, because shortly after we moved, my brother got into trouble with the law again. And this time, he also left. And he also left without leaving us anything, nor his contact number. 
I was asking myself what happened to my family, and is there anything I can do to change the situation? The reality is there was nothing that I could do. But there was something that I really wanted to maintain, is that to be a good stepdaughter. So I never argue, I never rebel. I also did very well at school, really well. And I would also go to con uh, competitions, inter-school competitions, national competitions, and I would win. And so I just tried and tried, really tried to be the best I am, not having to rely on anybody. But the life to be a single child in an unfamiliar environment was really not that easy. I also really missed my brother and my dad, and I had no idea where they were. My Lao Ba at the time would try really hard to share that he knows how I feel, how much he is fond of me, and I wondered why, because I heard that most stepfathers are really mean, but he wasn't. He took me to church, and he said that I can make friends there. And so I went to church regularly. The honest truth was I went to church not because I really enjoy the environment. I went every week only because I want to be Lao Ba's good girl. I didn't have a relationship with God, nor was I interested in anything about Jesus. As years went by, I drifted away from my church and my Christian friends to solely focus on myself and my career. I thrived, returning to Hong Kong to hold regional positions for some international companies and became spokesperson in the media. I enjoy being in the limelight, as if one day, maybe my family, they would see me and return. However, life as such was not really that comfortable because deep inside, I was feeling empty, anxious. I always feel like if I fail, no one would actually want to be with me. I also had difficulty building trusting relationships because I feared that if I invest in relationships with people, one day they will also leave me. Although my dad never left his contact number, one day through the help of his school, the Old Boy Association sent me a message asking me to confirm an email that I am his daughter, the daughter of Jay Tam as Jenny Tam. So we exchanged a few emails and decided that we would try to meet each other somewhere in between where he lived and where I lived. So we met in Seattle. That meeting was really weird. I had this really mixed feeling. But in any case, I was thrilled because I would have the opportunity to tell him about all my achievements. I want him to know that I've been doing well regardless what happened to our family and he should be really proud of me. However, during a dinner, he told me, Jenny, you must not tell anyone that you're my daughter because I'm very well networked. I realized that no matter how hard I try, I can never change who I am. In my distress, I went back to the God that Lao Ba used to bring me to. I also tried to look at the prayer journal of my Lao Ba, even though it was years after his passing. I just realized that he was always praying for me, for me to know Jesus, to know that he really loves me, 
to an extent that he died for me. And he is someone that I can entrust, I can love. I also opened my heart to read the Bible again and return to my church. This time around, my experience is totally different. I realize that my, when my heart is open, I can know that I'm accepted, I am loved, and I'm safe. They don't really care who I am, what I have or have not done. They will just take me as I am. I also know that the way that I tried to prove my value was really meaningless. It was just like chasing after the wind. I wanted to do well, not for myself, because I realized that I can also help other people that God puts in front of me. So I started to serve. And so my faith just grew from there. And I realized that no matter how many mistakes I've made and how much life I had wasted, it's never too late to come back to Jesus. I was like a particle girl. And this time around, I finally found my Heavenly Father. I also found that there is something called the rhythm of grace. I hope one day I can see my three fathers face to face and God will conclude the story that we share. In the Bible, it says that He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jenny. I believe you're uh, with us online now. I just want to say thank you for sharing so openly about your story. Thank you. You know, brothers and sisters and friends and guests, like Jenny, many of us have had circumstances in our lives that lead us to wonder about our belonging, where and how we belong. And you may have felt at different times even when you came into the Christian community, that you were the only one who did not quite fit. Or that somehow, because of who you were, or what you had done, or what you possessed or did not possess, or even the kinds of relationship that you had, or having now, or the way you look compared to the others in the church, that you didn't belong. But the message that we hear today from Scripture is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much you make, what school you went to, where you were born, what job you have. You are welcome in God's family because of Jesus Christ. As Jenny said in her sharing, the church, they will, they will just take me as I am. Know that you have a place in God's family. You are accepted as you are, even as God changes you to become more like Him. You know, we welcome prodigals here, for we were all once prodigals. And you know what? We are still prodigals, work in progress. And prodigals do not have a better status over another prodigal. We do not throw stones. At another one. The church, the Christian community, is where people are supposed to find the safest place, the most meaningful belonging. Church, 
let us pray. God, we come before you humbly and with gratitude in our hearts that you love us so much. Your great love would call us back, would woo us back, no matter how far we have gone. And you do not, and you do not put a list of to-dos in front of us before we could come and join your family. You came to die for us so that we might freely come. And we thank you so much for that. And your body, your community is supposed to be that place where people can come and encounter you in the freest way possible. And yet, Lord, we confess that we haven't always made it that place. We have put up barriers, sometimes intentionally, but sometimes really inadvertently. Sometimes in wanting to do the right thing, we put up barriers. Forgive us, Lord. And help us, oh God, to be a welcoming community. But also, Lord, I want to pray for those in our midst who have felt, I guess, not fully included in this community, who have felt left out, who have felt excluded. Lord, I pray that you will bring healing. I pray, Lord, that this community will truly come around each other and to really lay down our rights, even our rights to be included, to to lay down our rights, our preferences and our prejudices and to step out of our comfort zone to love one another, to self-sacrificially be there for one another, to inconvenience ourselves for the sake of others. Help us, O Lord. And thank you that you love us just the way we are. Help us to love others the way you love us. Amen.